Today is July 24th, 2016. God, July 24th, here we are, right? The title of today's sermon is Stay in Your Lane. Stay in Your Lane. Uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 14. <laughs> yeah, you know you got a good crowd when they're like, yeah, the title, it's great. Hey, so, uh, so for all the visitors here today, we, we really are so excited that you're here. But uh, this is really home. This is home. This is a bunch of people who are crazy in love with Jesus, who will do anything that he tells us to do. And so we actually have fun here in church. We enjoy each other's presence. That's why it looks in between worship and the word here that it's like a family reunion, like we hadn't seen each other in months and months. And it was probably less than 24 hours ago that most of us saw some part of the rest of the body. And uh, that's the way it is here. So um, one of the things that the Lord's been speaking to us and spoke to us as leadership at the beginning of the year comes out of Acts chapter 14, and we're going to start in verse 21. Say there when you're there. Amen. Verse 21 says this, They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. Everybody say strengthening. Strengthening. And encouraging them. Everybody say encouraging Okay, that was not everybody. So we'll just try it again. It's okay. Everybody's, everybody's trying to get their notebooks out. I know this is the start of the sermon, right? All right. I'm just going to start that part again. You ready? We'll just cut the other part out on the video. They'll never know. Okay? They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. They then returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples. Everybody say strengthening. Strengthening. There you go. And encouraging. Everybody say Encouraging them to remain true to the faith. Today is going to be a day where we're going to try to accomplish those two things. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging you to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Isn't that great? That strengthening and encouraging starts with a revelation that this is not going to be easy. But nothing that's worth anything ever is. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders from them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. Another thing that the Lord has been speaking to this church, please turn to Luke chapter 13. This is a setting the stage here. This is reminding us of what God has been speaking to us in 2016. We're in July, July 24th. We have months to go, but this is what the Lord has been saying, so it's important for us to remember that as we go forward with what the Lord wants to say to us today. Luke 13 and verse 6. Say there when you're there. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. The Lord was reminding us as a church. He said it's time for all of us to make sure that we're producing fruit for the kingdom. There's a time when that expectation isn't there. When you're young enough in the Lord, we're expecting you just to grow, just to start to get healthy, just to allow the Lord's Spirit to wash over you. So you can say things like, Lord, have your way, and it be an honest reflection of what your heart is more than a declaration of what you wish that it were. So there is time that you get to build, there's time that you get to grow, and then there's fruit that's expected from you. For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year 
and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. Then if not, cut it down. The Lord is challenging us as a church to make sure that every one of us are producing fruit so that the axe doesn't have to be at the root of your life. A somber reminder, yes? When I, when I wanted to talk to you today about is staying in your lane. This has come from a lot of discussions that I've had this week with my brother who's in Michigan and a church that he's uh, with and dealing with and working through some things with the leadership there. And my constant comments to my brother all week, just about every day, a couple hours every day that we're talking on the phone to help him walk through this properly is, hey, Rodney, there's a certain amount of authority and a certain assignment that each of us have and everyone is required to walk in their assignment. Each of us is required to run in our own lane, to stay in our lane. And because in that lane is where we find God's provision, in that lane is where we find fulfillment. Let's, take, let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. As I hear a snicker from Judah, I like it. Second Samuel chapter 17 and verse 17. Jonathan and Ahimaaz were staying at En-Rogel. A servant girl was to go and inform them, and they were to go and tell King David, for they could not risk being seen entering the city. Now let me set up this story for you. Um, the person that I want to get to today is Ahimaaz. And here he was entrusted the... Um, Absalom, David's son, had started to overthrow David. So David was on the run. And there were advisors that were giving Absalom advice. Ahithophel was one, and Hushai was the other. Hushai was loyal to David, and so he was intentionally giving Absalom bad advice. He was trying to help the king. He was loyal to the king, but he had somehow gotten into the court. He was a spy. And so what was going on in here was that Jonathan and Ahimaaz were two that were designed to say, hey, we're going to send you someone to tell you what to say so that you can take the news back to King David. Couldn't text it, couldn't email it, had to send people. So they sent actually a little servant girl out to tell them the news. Verse 18. But a young man saw them and told Absalom. So the two of them, Jonathan and Ahimaaz, left quickly and went to the house of a man in Baharim. He had a well in his courtyard, and they climbed down into the well. His wife took a cover and spread it over the opening of the well and scattered grain on it over it so that no one knew anything about it. They climbed down in this water well. They covered the top of it so you really couldn't tell and threw grains to make it look like it was just a podium and not a well. So they're hiding down in the well. Verse 20, when Absalom's men came to the woman at the house, they asked, where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan. The woman answered, they went that way. That's not exactly what she said, right? They crossed over the brook. The men searched but found no one, so they returned to Jerusalem. After the men had gone, the two climbed out of the well and went to inform King David. They said to him, set out and cross the river at once. Ahithophel has advised such and such against you. Isn't that funny? That's the way the Bible says it. He's advised, blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Right? Just such and such is what's been done. So they caught him up. So there's the story. These two guys are spies. 
They were, they were waiting on the good news to bring to King David, right? Yay, they fulfilled their purpose. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 18 and start in verse 19. Now we're getting into it here, okay? This was all prep work for this right here. Verse 19. Now Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, said, Let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. So Absalom had tried to conquer David. He had set himself up. He had been out there at the gate saying, If only you had a king like me who could listen to your story. Perhaps I could help you. And he had built up an allegiance. He took over David runs. And in this case, this is right after the battle that ended up killing Absalom. Does anybody remember how Absalom got killed? What, what he got caught with? got caught with his hair in a tree branch. He was riding through a thicket or a forest, and he got caught by his lovely locks. Right, Curtis? His lovely locks, yeah? Right? He got caught by his hair. Huh, it's interesting. And yet, this is still King David's son. So this, is, this guy, Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, is saying, hey, let me run and tell the king the good news that's happened that his son has died. Yes, he was the enemy of the king, but he was also the king's son. Take a look at what it says in verse 20. You are not the one to take the news today. Everybody say, not the one. one. Joab told him, you may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. This is the same man that was used the chapter before. He was used properly. He had the right word for the right season. He was sent and accomplished his purpose. And now is a new day. And he says, hey, I don't, know, I don't quite know why. And we're going to maybe talk about some possible, possible reasons of why he's so excited about bringing this news. But he's very excited about it. And Joab said, this is not your assignment. Everybody say, it's not my assignment. Can I encourage you that there are some things, even if you've done exactly what the Lord has asked you to do before, let's not presume that what you want to do today is what the Lord is assigning to you. There's a huge difference. We're going to see what this causes here in a minute. But this is not his assignment. It's not precluding him from future assignments. I think it's pretty neat that Joab even says that. Look, I'm not saying you're not, you're not a, a good person, you're not valid, but this is not your assignment. Can you hold your place here, please? And let's turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Sometimes as a pastor, there are passages of Scripture that I feel that I'm becoming very redundant with. But I presume that this must be important to us as a church and that we all haven't gotten the information from this passage because I'm back here again. We don't feel like it's redundant. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad. Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. Say there when you're there. 6. Sorry if I said it incorrectly. I got excited. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Perhaps this is one of those where it's not your assignment. If you had a problem with alcohol, we would probably not send you to the bar outreach. Just saying. It's not your assignment. You may have another assignment one day, but this one won't be yours. 
you have a trouble with pornography, you know what we're not going to send you? We're not going to send you to a woman's outreach to a strip club. Just not going to do it. Just saying. You said pornography. Yes, I did. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We know that that word is baros in the, in the Greek. It means a crushing load. Something that will crush someone, you're supposed to help them. Verse 3, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I've never known anyone like that. Each one should test his own actions. Then he could take pride in himself without what? Comparing himself to someone else. What comparing yourself to someone else is, is you are supposed to be running in your lane, and you're like, well, man, I see Brent succeeding in his lane. So maybe if I go and run in Brent's lane, I can get the same type of success. Oh, I see Elder Baj, and I, I mean, who doesn't want to be like Baj when they grow up, right? I want to be like Baj when I grow up. One day. Don't be expecting that anytime soon. But I, so I want to run in Baj's lane because I see Baj and I admire him and I love him and see his family. And, and so I want to be like him. But what I'm supposed to do is run in my lane. I can admire Brent. I can be encouraged by Brent. I can look ahead and see Baj and say, this is one who is worthy to be emulated. But what I need to do is stay in my lane while I'm encouraged by other folks as they're running in this lane, in their lane. Because I don't have to compare myself to Bosch. That would be a, a losing task on my part. I would feel bad about myself all day long. But I don't have to compare myself to him. This is what the Word instructs us. We've said this almost every service for a while now. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it until God lets me stop saying it. Do not compare yourself with someone else. Do not. Do not compare yourself because the Word of God says not to and the results are never what you want them to be. Never. You're either prideful or crushed. You either think too highly of yourself, which we had just read that that's not a good thing, or you think too lowly of yourself and you handicap what God's doing in your life before you even get started. Verse 5, for each one should carry his own load. Let's turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 33. Acts 5, 33. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. These are men that are before the Jewish ruling council. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thudius appeared, claiming to be someone, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you... Now listen to this. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. How does that relate to us as a church? Let me encourage you, if you are in your mind going through possibilities scenarios of when this happens, then I can do this. 
when this person goes here, then I can take over this spot in the church. If Pastor Matt would do this, then I can move here, and then this can happen in my life. How about you not worry about that part of it? How about you let God be God and assign you the lane that you're supposed to run in? How about you not look over and find someone else's lane and go, you know what? If I did this, this, and this, I could get in that lane and be running like that. How about you run in your own lane? And and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. If what you're desiring is from the Lord, there's not a person in this whole world that can stop you from getting where you need to go. Surely the leadership of this church would not be against something that God is requiring of you. But when you start scheming, when you start desiring to make things happen, when you start saying things that are like, hey, you know, this can happen and then I could do this and these can... Let me encourage you. If what you're saying is really from the Lord, it's going to happen. And none of us are going to fight you. Whatever prestige that we may ever have, I would gladly give it to you. Let's not be people who can't run in our own lane and so we begin to fight for our own desires. Because that's just a working of man and it will fail every time. Amen? Let's go back to 2 Samuel. Verse 20. You are not the one to take the news today, Joab told him. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. This is 2 Samuel 18 and verse 20. Now we're on to 21. Then Joab said to a Cushite, You know what's interesting to me? You find the name of Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. And then there's this other guy who's actually tasked with the charge. You know what his name is? I don't. <laughs> the Cushite. Then Joab said to a Cushite, Go tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Um, sometimes it's not our assignment, and sometimes we need to find our own revelation. We need to be a witness of the things that we're wanting to go out and run and tell because in this case, it appears that Ahimaaz had not seen what was going on. He heard about what was going on, but he had not experienced it for himself. Because does it tell you? Did Joab tell the Cushite what to say? He said, go tell him what you've seen. It wasn't even a specific command. He said, you're about to go before the king. Just tell him what you saw. Ready to go. When it's the right time for you, you won't need a bunch of other people telling you what to say. You know why? Because you would have experienced it. We don't need to tell the Vincents what to say when they get to Indonesia. You know why? Because they're living it and when they get there, it'll be so fresh and alive. It is already that way. When they speak about it, it comes forth. None of us have to tell them what to say. Because they've lived it. They have their own witness to it. They have their own testimony to it. And they're going to run like crazy. What about you? How many times are we trying to share someone else's revelation? Someone else's testimony that we're trying to say, man, Cody's testimony is good. How about I share in Cody's testimony? Well, the whole thing that makes it a good testimony is because it's his and he shares it. 
I can be encouraged by it. But you know what I have to run with? My own testimony. What I have seen, what I have heard. Hold your place here and go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 7. Ephesians 3, 7. It says this. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me. (laughs) When you really become a servant of the gospel, that's exactly how you feel. God, this is such a gift. Given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain. Everybody say, make it plain. You know what happens when you're an effective teacher? I used to be a school teacher. You work really hard to make things plain. The deeper the revelation, the harder we have to work to be able to make it plain so that people who can see it can write it down and what happens in Habakkuk, they can run with it. We have to be careful about searching... um, I call it being a sowed farmer. In a Jewish form of interpreting the Bible, there are a few steps, there are a few levels. From the most basic, the most obvious, to where you start comparing things either within the passage or with other passages, and then you get to some revelatory piece. And we are a church that the Lord has been gracious to us, and there is revelation that abounds. Amen? Let's not negate the Peshat of what God is telling us. Let's not negate the obvious things that are supposed to be there. I'm excited if you can find all the deep mysteries of the Lord, but I'm more excited that you're running your household the way you're supposed to and finding the deep things of the Lord. I'm not for either or. I'm for both and. Don't tell me about your deep revelation if your home's in disorder. Don't tell me about your wonderful revelations when you can't do what you're supposed to do. Let's go Peshat. Let's go with the most obvious. Let's see how we're doing there. And then we add to our faith. We add to these things what God is doing. Y'all are kind of quiet. I'm just pastoring today. I'll get to some preaching hopefully in a minute, but I'm just pastoring right now. Because I love you. This is necessary for us. There are some words that I feel like when we speak it, it it is for exactly today. It's what we've been dealing with, and I'm kind of catching up with what the Lord has been doing. I think there's a little bit of this for today, but I also think this is foundational to where we're heading for the next few weeks, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm saying to you today, if it is not ringing and and resonating, please listen to it with, with seriousness because I think this is important for us as a church so that we can move forward Because if we're all staying in our lanes, goodness gracious, God can do a lot with this church. You realize that this little church, we're supporting other people. We're supporting four other churches plus ourselves. We're helping to support one association of churches. There are missionaries across the world that you and I are supporting with your faithful giving, with your seriousness. God is moving as a part of this church and what this church is doing around the world. How we continue to do that and grow faithfully 
is that we continue to run in our lane. Ephesians 3. And to make plain, verse 9, to everyone the administration of this mystery, for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Verse 10. His intent was that now. Everybody say now. Now. Through the church. Say through the church. church. Isn't that crazy? He picked the church to do this. This entity and other entities like it. The church. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. We are not only trying to accomplish in the natural things, things in the natural, but we are trying to accomplish and let the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms know that God is using us to accomplish His will, to reveal Himself to His people according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In Him and through Him, in Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Stephanie brought us a word today out of Hebrews that said this, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of any of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. It doesn't say which are for your glory. It says which are your glory. Back to 2 Samuel. We need our own assignment, but we need our own revelation. We need our own understanding of what God is trying to do. Psalm 138.8 says that the Lord will accomplish His purposes for me. He will accomplish His purposes for me. That should encourage us. 2 Samuel chapter 18. Let's start in verse 22. Ahimaaz, son of Zadok, again said to Joab, Come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. Wait, I thought he wasn't assigned to this. I thought he hadn't seen anything. Yes, you are correct. Come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, my son, why do you want to go? You don't have any news that will bring you a reward. There's no, there's nothing that's going to come from this. You're not going to get anything out of it. Why do you keep wanting to run? Have you ever just had something that just stuck in your mind, in your heart, in your will, that you just wanted to do? Why do you want to do that? I don't know. There's really no reason. I just, I feel compelled. That's the problem sometimes with us being a spirit-filled group is that we can just go, I just feel like it. Oh. Well, at least we're clear. (laughs) At least this is just your desire. Let's just be honest about it. Let's not feel obligated to say that it's the Lord telling me to do these things if it's clearly just my desire. I would much rather you say, I don't know if this is the Lord or not. I just think it's a good idea. Oh, amen. That's so much easier to pastor. <laughs> instead of saying, going, uh, I really don't think you're hearing from the Lord. Well, why do you say that? Because the Spirit of God made me just it's not ringing true. Ahimaaz is showing us a lot about us. This is a crazy little story that's tucked away in the Holy Bible about a guy who wants to take off running. Doesn't even give us the name of the Cushite. It's interesting what we're supposed to be learning from this. Verse 23. He said, Come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, Run. All right, big boy, you want to do this? Go right ahead. 
Hey, when you just really want to do something and the Lord allows you to do it, don't get mad at the Lord for how it turns out. You wanted to do it. You wanted to buy the car. You had to buy that car. Well, then go ahead and make the payments. You had to get that house. Well, amen. Enjoy it. And the high energy bills and whatever else is going on. He wanted to run. And you know what God did? He let him run. I mean, Joab let him run. God lets us run. I just want to. I just, I just, I got to run. Hey, man, big boy. Strap on your chinnies and go for a run. Let's see what else, let's see what else we learn from this. So Joab said, run. Then Ahimaaz ran by way of the plain and outran the Cushite. Well, at least he's fast, right? At least he's used to running. Oh, and he took a shortcut. He went by way of the plane. He went a different direction. Now, I guess it's possible that Ahimaaz was just that fast that he literally just overtook the other guy who had taken off before him. Maybe it was just a couple of minutes difference. I'm going to look at this and the directions here in the scripture say that he took a shortcut. You like to take shortcuts? I do when I'm driving. I will find the app on my phone that will tell some other way. I will look at multiple apps on my phone, a map, to say which one gets me there faster. 23 minutes, 22 minutes. I'm going 22 minutes. Give me a shortcut. Give me all the cool back roads. I love to do that. Do you like to take shortcuts in your walk with the Lord? I do sometimes. I know I'm not supposed to, so my answer should be, no, I hate shortcuts in the Lord. I can't lie to you, though. I would love to have someone else's anointing without having to go through all that they went through to get the anointing. I would love to run in someone else's lane. I would love to just be as naturally talented as some of you people in here. I would love to be as smart and as good-looking as you guys. But you know what? I can't take a shortcut. And you can't take a shortcut either. Let me rephrase that. You can take a shortcut, but it's never going to be for your good. You cannot shortcut God's plan in your life. You cannot get there. You cannot think you know better, take an alternate route to God's plan, and think that it's going to work out on your behalf. Because God needs your character to match the destination. And every time you shortcut something, every time you get tired of sitting, one of my least favorite roads in the whole country... It's Highway 6. I was coming to get ready for Ibrahim and Eve's wedding the other day. I was going to make sure that the sound was good on the wedding night. And I'm in traffic for an hour and 15 minutes. You know how long it took me this morning? 28 minutes. I'm just sitting. Shouldn't I be doing something else? No, sometimes you just need to sit in traffic. Maybe not in the natural. (laughs) That was not from the Lord. Sorry. (laughs) Actually, it was, right? Because what is he doing? We could be worshiping. We could be listening to the scripture. I could get a whole sermon in in that amount of time. I can glorify the Lord with my heart. I can let him work on my patience and my character. Of course, we're supposed to sit in traffic. Of course, we're supposed to go the long way. What did God tell the uh, Israelites in, in the book of Exodus? I could send you that way, but it's short. 
and it, you're not going to be ready for what you have to do. I'm going to send you the long way because it's for your good. God is never interested in a shortcut. What He can do is once you've taken the long way, He can make up for what you feel is lost time. I'm sorry to be using the Vincent so much. I should have probably asked you guys permission on this. You know what's going to happen? You know what already is happening with them? They had a delay of, let's just say, a decade, right? 14 years total from the time that they heard the Lord until this October. We're still, we're still days away from that, their launch. You know what's happened? When they went on their exploratory trip, God did things for them in that one week that they were there. He started making up for the lost time. He started causing things to fall into place that other people were going, God, we've been here for years and this hasn't happened. You've been here for three days and you're already baptizing people. What? I don't, I don't understand it. I do. That's when God likes to take care of the shortcut is on the results, not on the path. Ooh, that was good. I'm going to sit back and enjoy that. We want to shortcut the path. He's going to shortcut how long it takes to get the results we need. Amen. You take the long way and let Him worry about the results. Because this is what happens here. Is He takes a shortcut. God, He takes a shortcut. Turn, keep your place here. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. My heart today is to make this plain to you. At this point, I don't plan on using any Paleo-Hebrew revelations for you today. It may come. I can't promise that it won't. But right now, that's not the plan. I am just trying to make this as plain as I can make it so that we can all run in the same direction. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Are you there? Great, thanks. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Mere infants in Christ. Huh. People who were shortcutting. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. As the Lord has assigned... To each his task. Oh, there we go again. We've got each got a lane, a task that we are supposed to complete. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Come on, folks. This is real. This is real life straight from the Bible. And how many people do we know? Well, I listen to such and such podcast. Well, amen for you. Maybe he plants. Maybe that person waters. But it's God who gives the increase. It's God who gives the increase. Lest we think that somehow in our doing that we're the ones that's causing the achieving. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose. Everybody say one purpose. And each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Everybody say own labor. It counts what you do. I used to hate it when I was in school, the idea of a group project. Because how do you grade a group project? Well, everybody's going to get the same grade. That's terrible. Because I was the guy who did the project. I had the crazy people who just wouldn't do anything. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm not going down for you. 
You know what the Lord is never, he never has a problem doing? Rewarding each one to his own labor. He never gets confused on a group project. He knows exactly what you did. And he can reward you for what you did. Or didn't do. If you're coasting along because you're in a really great group, I've also been there, I have to admit. Been there in a really, really, really smart group. All of us nerds got together. Nerds unite, right? We were there, and they were really great people, and you're like, whoa. Hey, man. Throw a little two cents in. Yeah, God is never confused. He will assign each one and reward each one according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. And someone else is building on it. Are you building things so that someone else can build on it? Are you only thinking about your work for the Lord? Are you doing things where it can be transmitted to others? Do you know what Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt did for us as the Sutherland family? They came in and said, you know what? We feel that God is drawing your family to be here to help us lead this great church. So you know what they did? They started transmitting authority. They started transmitting tasks. They started transmitting things to us because they said, here. One of the first things they did, almost two years ago now, they said, hey, most people never relinquish the finances. That's how they keep control. They said, here you go, Wade. Here's all the finances of the church. Tell us what we have to spend. If you say that you want to be on staff, then one of us will go find, we'll go find a job so that you can be on staff. It's all yours. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy awesome is what that is. They're just building something. And you know what? <laughs> the truth is, as a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, we're all just interim. I hope that I spend the rest of my life here at this church. I have no desire to do anything else, go anywhere else, be anything else other than your pastor. And I'm still an interim pastor. Because someday we're going to have to turn this over to someone else who can run with it. I'm thinking about that now. (laughs) I'm thinking about that. I think about that every week. I think about that every day. Lord, how do we keep this thing going for generations? Don't let us be so short-sighted on today that we miss that there's someone else that needs to build on this as well in the future. Lord, let us build it correctly so that they don't have to come back and undo, but they can just keep going forward. Are you doing that in your life? Are you doing that in your home? If you weren't there tomorrow, will your home progress forward? Do you have enough pillars in place that, that your whole family would be able to, to go forward and do exactly what they're supposed to do? How about you as an individual, as a single person? Is your life so much so that someone else could come in and go, wow, this is in order according to the Word of God. I can see how this can go forward. We can get behind that. This is what we're supposed to be doing. I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, or costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. The day. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Everybody say fire. Fire. 
and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. You know why it's going to be fire that tests our works? Because fire is indiscriminate. Fire does not matter how much money you have in your pocket. A fire just tests the actual composition of the material. If it's gold, silver, or costly stones, what does the fire do? The fire just purifies it. It cannot damage it. It can only make it better. The wood, hay, or straw are things that are consumed by the fire. So how are your works for the Lord right now? Not your intentions, because all of our intentions are solid gold. Inlaid with diamonds. Surrounded by silver. I don't mean your intentions. I mean your actual actions. I mean your actions for the kingdom. I don't need you to respond to that out loud. I just need you to consider. Perhaps we should go to the Lord and say, Lord, are we building with the proper materials here? The last thing I want to do is get to the end of my race and realize that I've been building with the wrong materials the whole time. (sighs) Lest I run or labor in vain. Let's go back to 2 Samuel chapter 18. No shortcuts. Everybody say, no shortcuts. If you're an athlete, you can't take shortcuts. When I was a principal, I used to love, and I did, I would go and I would brag on my cross-country runners. Right? They get zero publicity. Little group of nerds running out in the woods. It was great. I love them. And I would always brag on them because running is one of those things that it's not my favorite. This guy would like to go out and lift heavy weights and stuff. Running, bleh. So I would always go and I'd find them before a race, before the beginning of the season, and I would just love on them and be like, you guys. Don't tell anybody else, but you're my favorite. Because if you don't work hard, it's going to show it out there. There's no way to hide it. You can be a great, great athlete, and if you haven't put in the miles of running, you're just going to falter, man. You'll be embarrassed out there. No matter how much your natural skill is, you have to just put in the miles. You just have to do the training. And if you don't do the training every day, you suffer. I thought that was one of the most plain sports that there was. I, you can get away with some, with some bad things if you're just a great athlete in football. Just a naturally fast, short burst. You can get away with some things. You really can't do it when you're running. Those long-distance runners, marathon runners, you can't cheat. You have to do it. There are no shortcuts. Verse 24. While David was sitting between the inner and the outer gates, the watchman went up on the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he is alone, he must have good news. And the man came closer and closer. Then the watchman saw another man running. And he called down to the gatekeeper, look, another man running alone. The king said, he must be bringing good news too. Because who would send two separate people for the same message? Verse 27, the watchman said, it seems to me that the first one runs like Ahimaaz, son of Zadok. They knew what he looked like by how he ran. (laughs) Now, what I'm not going to do is what's in my brain right now, showing you various ways that you can run and be noticed. (laughs) 
I'll just let you think on that. Was he a spaz of a runner? What, 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 did he have some weird gait? There was something about it. He was too far for them to see his face, but they went, huh, that's Zadok's boy. <laughs> it's what the Bible says, folks. I don't know. I'm just like, God, they saw it. They noticed him. Maybe it's because they had seen him before. Maybe it's a chapter or so before when he was, had gotten out of the well and ran to tell the king what he was supposed to. They recognized him. Huh. Let's keep reading. He's a good man, the king said. He comes with good news. Why? Because the time before, he had saved David's life. Then Ahimaaz called out to the king, All is well. He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, Praise be to the Lord our God. Lord your God, he has delivered up the men who lifted their hands against my lord the king. The king asked, Is the young man Absalom safe? Ahimaaz answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant. But I don't know what it was. Okay. So he ran all that way. He took the shortcut. He outran the Cushite and had nothing to say to the king. Oh, I want to go. I want to go. So yesterday we had uh, Sasha Stevens stopped by our house just for a few minutes. She had finished a CARES event at her property, and she came by. And so we were all sitting on the couch just talking for a few minutes. And my little one, my six-year-old, we all love Sasha. This is true. Not only the Sutherlands, but obviously this church. My daughter is just infatuated with Sasha, just loves her, thinks she's the neatest thing ever, right? So, So Anna was sitting on her lap on the couch, and Sasha's there just being sweet and wonderful, and Sasha, and... And Anna decided that she wanted to get a part of the conversation. But she had nothing to say. So she started talking about something random that had nothing to do with what we were talking about. So much so that we were like, yeah, that is not part of this conversation. That had nothing to do with what we were talking about, sweetie. And you know what she did? She went, I know. She was real humble. She just went, I said, did you just want to talk to Sasha? And she said, mm-hmm. So I thought I'd just jump in. Right, real sweet, trying to connect. Um, I've done that before as an adult, though. Yeah. want to get in the conversation. I think I got something to say. Not really. <laughs> I got nothing. You know why? It's because I wasn't running in my lane. I was insecure and thought I needed to tell people something to make me feel less insecure. I wanted to share some great piece of knowledge that just I thought if I started talking, it would pop into my head. I've done that. Perhaps you've, maybe you've never done that, but I've done that before. (laughs) Drop a name of who you know. What if you find a new person in the church and we want to monopolize a new person in the church? We want to tell them all the great things we know. Amen. Amen. How about you actually have something to say, though? Hmm. The reason that we have nothing to say is because we are not intimate. We're not intimate with the knowledge that we're supposed to be intimate with. When we are intimate, we have plenty of things to say. I can talk about my wife all day because I love her. 
She is incredible. I can share the greatness of my wife all day long because I know her. Are you intimate? Do you have enough intimacy with the Father that you can speak about Him? At the drop of a hat, for as long as you need to speak, you don't, need, you don't even need preparation. Someone can just say, go tell them what you've seen. Got it. I can come at this 15 different ways. Because God is about intimacy. Even in the garden, what did God do? God said, hey, I want you to be with me. When sin entered in, what did He say? I'm going to create a plan to fix your sin. Why? So that you can be intimate with me, so that we can have relationships, so that you can know, so that we can be one. That is exactly why God did what He did. He wants to have us return to Him. Let's go back to 2 Samuel. Ahimaaz said, answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant. <laughs> I mean, send them and me. But let's not forget about me. But I don't know what it was. The king said, stand aside and wait here. And Ahimaaz's great rush to do what God, or to, to be the one that carried the message, the king put him off to the side. You know, it is arguable that this is the last time you're ever going to actually hear him do anything in the word of God. In 1 Kings 4, it talks about that another son of Zadok was chosen to be a ruler under Solomon. In the next generation, when you get to King Solomon, he's not even mentioned it's a, it's a brother. We don't actually know what happened to him and us because he was set to the side and it looks like he was never moved from that position. Verse 30, the king said, Stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite arrived and said, My lord the king, hear the good news. The Lord has delivered you today from all those who rose up against you. The king went into his room and wept as he heard about his son. Do you know what will push us aside when we're not running in our lane? We're worried about being put aside. So you know what you do? When you're worried about being put aside, you end up running in somebody else's lane. And you know what that causes you to do? Be put aside. When you operate in your fears, your fears make themselves come true. <laughs> what the wicked dread will overtake them. A great message from Brent Vincent. Fear and desire. Is that correct? About two years ago or so. You can look it up on our website. Fear versus desire. What the wicked dread will overtake them, but what the righteous desire will be granted. Turn to Second John chapter 9. I'm sorry, 2 John, verse 9. <laughs> There's no nine chapters. 2 John, verse 9. Actually, let's start in verse 7. We'll give it better context. 2 John, verse 7. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead 
and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. <laughs> what? If you decide that you're going to run on ahead, I have to, in, in my mind, he's thinking about a hemaos. If you run ahead of what God's doing, if you run on out there, you can think it's just you, but you've missed what the Lord is doing in your life. It says here, Whoever um, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. How far can you get ahead of Him before you're just completely on your own and you forget ever to look back and, and see Him? Turn to Psalm 119 as we get ready to close. Psalm 119. How are you doing running in your own lane? Do you feel obligated to look and find out what everyone else is doing? Can you make a decision based on what God has told you or do you need to find the consensus of what the crowd is doing? You guys ever done that? You, you get the memo on what, what you're supposed to wear? You're like, hey, so is this a formal thing? Is this, is this fancy Sunday? What's the name of it? Sharp Sunday. Frank got the memo. So I get a text on my phone last night pinging around from the youth group about tomorrow's Sharp Sunday. Did you get the memo? Did you know? Hey, I, I've had times where you show up and you're inappropriately dressed and it's embarrassing, right? You're like, hey, I thought this was casual and everybody's super dressed up. Or the other way, where everybody's, everybody's in shorts and flip-flops and you're, you're like Frank. <laughs> Looking good, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was waiting, man. I gave it to you. A little softball lob. Can you make your own decisions in Christ or are you waiting to see what everyone else is doing? Are you waiting to see what someone else's conviction is before you decide what God is telling you to do? Well, that's pretty silly. How about we understand and we can run in our lanes so we don't have to worry about anybody else? I care about everybody else, but I'm not comparing myself to anyone else. I will help you carry your burden, but you must carry your own load. We need some maturity to rise up within us that says, I have my convictions from the Lord, and as for me and my house, this is what we will do. God bless you and your house. You don't have to do this, but for me, this is a conviction. This is what we will do. This is the standard of the Lord. This is how we're going to do this because we're running our race. And as much as I want you to get there, I've got to make sure that, I, that we get there. I've got to get my, my family there. I, I want to get you there with me. Psalm 119, verse 28. Psalm 119, verse 28 says this. My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. You know what, you know what the problem with deceit is? You don't know it if you're in deceit. It's tricky. If people knew that they were being deceived... They're no longer being deceived. It becomes a willful choice. Lord, 
Keep me from deceitful ways. Keep me from those ways of me operating that I don't really see about myself. That I have a blind spot about how I'm doing something. Lord, keep me from those deceitful ways that will cause me not to run in my own lane. Not to accomplish the purpose that you have set before me. Not to accomplish the purpose that you will do in me. Don't let me be caught up in deceitful ways. Be gracious to me through your law. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. I hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Are you free? Is your heart free to run in the Lord? Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Come on, folks, stay there when you're there. Verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let me go lower here. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's what you're supposed to be running. The race marked out for you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. When you're not running in your lane, it's easy to get weary. You will lose heart, I can assure you because you're trying to accomplish someone else's work. You're trying to measure yourself against someone else's success. It will wear you out every time. There's no other way for that to happen. Turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah 46, verse 8. Isaiah 46, 8. Remember this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. When you don't run in your own lane, you start actually saying that God is not God. What you are saying is, I don't have faith that God will accomplish His purposes for me, so I better go do it on my own. I better go get it while I can get it because it may not be there when I need it. I'm afraid, and the truth is, is I become faithless when I can't run in my own lane. But what about when there's a lot of people around you? Yep. Stay in your lane. 1 Corinthians 9 talks about how we're running to win the race. Let's not be disqualified in this procedure. You're disqualified when you get out of your lane. Stay in your lane. No matter how many people are jostling around us, you know what you have to do all the more? Maybe you have to look down and let the Word of God be a a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Maybe I can't yet set, set this thing on cruise control and just run. Maybe there's too much around me, but I have to stay in my lane. There's jostling. There's things trying to push me out of my lane. No, no, I'm staying in my lane. I'm going to fight for this because it's worth it, because God put me here. And if God put me here, then I'm here. 
and there's nothing that anyone else can do about it, but I'm not going to leave this lane. Folks, if we all do this, not some of us in the room, if we all do this, you watch, you watch what God continues to do in our midst, and we will be faithful to allow Him to increase that as He sees fit. We become good stewards of our lane. I know my lane very well. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm going to do. Because God told me to do this. And it's enough for me. It's enough. It's just enough. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I will make, I make known the end from the beginning. <laughs> Why can we trust Him? Because He knows the end from the beginning. If, you, if He knows where you're supposed to end up, it's pretty easy for Him to just back that up and tell you where to start, right? Why? Because He already knows where you need to end up. He already knows the purpose that He will accomplish for you. When we get out of lane, we're saying He really doesn't know the end from the beginning. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 30. Last scripture that we'll turn to. <laughs> can't promise this last one that we'll reference here. Isaiah chapter 30, starting in verse 15. You're going to like this. You're going to love this. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance... And rest is your salvation. Repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. Does this define your walk? Does repentance and rest define your salvation? It should. Does quietness and trust define your strength? In the natural, my, my brother is one of the strongest human beings I've ever met. Just physically, incredibly strong. Incredibly strong. But you know what he's learned? He's funny. When folks are getting aggravated around him, he's quiet. He's trusting because, you know what? He's got more strength than anybody in the room. He doesn't need to fight. He just trusts in the fact that God has given him all the strength that he could ever need. It quiets him. Does that define your life? Are we running around? Are we frantic? Are we nervous? But you would have none of it. You said, no, one will, no we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. Kind of like Joab telling Ahimaaz, you want to run? Go ahead and run. Go ahead. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you're all going to go away. Till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Look at verse 18. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for Him. My friend Cassidy shared this verse with me this morning and I thought it was incredible. 
Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He desires it. The word longs come from a word that's the Hebrew word for pierced. He is pierced. He is carved. He is longing. He's got a pain on the inside of Him. Christ was pierced to be gracious to us. He was pierced. The word gracious there uh, talks about for Him to stoop down low. Kind of like 2 Samuel 22 where it says that God is willing to stoop down low. What? What is the rest of that verse? To make us great. One of superiority that bends down to us and says, hey, I'm willing to be gracious to you. I'm willing to take you from your level and pull you up to my level. I'm willing to get you from where you are. I am pierced so that I can bend down, stoop down low, and make you great. He rises. So he's pierced. He goes down to grab us up. And then he is exalted. He rises. He's lifted up so that all people can be drawn unto him to be able to show us compassion. To be able to to cradle us. To be able to pull us close. To be able to want and desire intimacy with us. For the Lord is a God of justice. He knows what he's doing, folks. In other translations, it says judgment. It's because his judgments are right. Blessed are all who wait for Him. Would you, do, would you stand with me today?